0: You turn now in your Bibles to the first chapter here of the book of Philippians, we're going to finish the chapter today, and a study that I've entitled Making the Best of It. When we say that in the context of our of our English-speaking world, we have a tendency to take it to the negative extreme. In other words, it's just like, oh, I'm going to make the best of it. You know, I, I, I'm just going to, you know, life is terrible and here's what we're going to do. Look, Look, as the body of Christ we have the life that we live now. Remember how Paul left us as we uh, stopped in verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen. So heaven's better. Amen? Amen. Anybody got a hard time understanding that heaven is better than here? Okay. I just want to make that clear. Heaven's better, but we live here and we live now. So really when Paul finishes this chapter, we shouldn't be going, oh, well, we got to stay here. No, this is good. Heaven's better. Heaven is better, family of God. But we need to make the best of every moment of every day while we're still here. We have work to do. We have the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our great God and King. But we also want to make sure that we take advantage of every moment that we have while we're still here. We've been left here for a purpose and that purpose is wonderful, that purpose is glorious and we need to make the best of it. We'll pick up in verse 22 and finish chapter 1. And let's pray and bring our time before the Lord. Father, we have again just come to this place, this wonderful place, to hear your word. And so, Father from heaven, would you speak to us? Would you take these words which you authored? You gave to men of old, authored by the Holy Spirit, inspired, and would you transform our lives from the hearing of them. And so, Lord, we offer this time to you and pray that your spirit would be free to move in your house as we listen to your word. We ask these things in the wonderful, the amazing name of Jesus. Amen. Picking up now in verse 22, but, and so now you can understand why he has the but there, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain but he's taking just a step back if I live on in the flesh this will mean fruit from my labor you see there's things that God wants to do with you with me with us with the church in general There's are supposed to be fruit that comes from our labor while we're still here And so he says, look, this will mean fruit from my labor. I'm here, I'm doing a good work now, and I'm going to have the glories of heaven later. In other words, it's two wonderful things. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. And again, he doesn't really actually have a choice because it is appointed by God for every one of us one time that we're going to meet him. He knows when that is. We don't get to choose that day. But in that sense, Paul's saying, look, if I had to choose, if I could choose, if there was a choice actually to be made, I don't know what I'd choose. Because this is good and heaven's better, amen? (laughs) This is good and heaven's better. So while I'm here, this is good, but heaven's better. So he doesn't know what he's going to choose. It's like, this is good, but heaven's better. (laughs) just want you to get that. Because this is good. And heaven's better, amen? <laughs> For I am hard-pressed between the two. He, he's going, man, this is a tough choice. This is a hard thing. And he's using this picture of an olive press. And he put the olives in there. And if you ever see one, if we traveled to Israel, the, the olive press was a, basically a vat. And it usually had a big, huge stone in it. And that big, huge stone would be, would be pulled around. And if you got put in the bottom, it would even grind the pits of the olives. It's a hard-pressing thing to choose between being here and being there. You see, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, and now you can see it, but nevertheless, he says, it would be better. I'd love to go home. Oh, man, I'd, I'd love to go home. I look at the world and, again, Lord, if it's your will. If you're done, if everybody who's going to give his and her life to you has done so, could, could we go home? That'd be good. be a nice way to start the new year, wouldn't it? Rapture. Out of here. But notice what he says. Jesus was other-centered. Notice how Paul puts this into practice in his own life. But to remain in the flesh is more needful for you, for your friends, for your family. You know, I'd like to go home, but it's more needful for me to be here. God has something to do with my life. It's more needful for me to be a husband and me to be a father. It's more needful for me to be a pastor. To stay here is a good thing. I'm going to go when God's ready to bring me home. Maybe he's going to take us all today, but it's more needful that we be here. And being confident, it says in verse 25 of this, being confident of this, to leave would be good, but I have a purpose while I'm here. Being confident of this very thing, to leave is going to happen and it's going to be really good. It's going to be better than staying here. Confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all. And notice he gives us a couple of reasons to do that. For your progress and joy in the faith. You you see, you're here for the same reason that I'm here. We are here as the body of Christ, in essence, to help one another progress and have joy in the faith. Our job as the body of Christ, you see, it's not just people who are in full time ministry that are in ministry. You all are in ministry. You're to be equipped for the work of the ministry. And so you have ministry to do. I have ministry to do. We collectively have ministry to do. And so it would be great if we were going to go home, but it's better that we stay here. And here's what's going to happen. We're going to help each other progress. And we're going to help each other grow in joy while we're progressing. That joy of our faith. Is it a challenge? Sure. But it's also a joyful challenge. It's something we get to do on a daily basis. We actually get to interact with the true and the living God who created the universe and be a part of what he's doing here on this earth. That's crazy. How awesome is that? Yeah, if you could pick any profession in the universe, in, in our world, let's just boil it down to our world. You know, maybe you wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer or some type of, you know, political office or maybe some skill or gift or talent. Wouldn't you want to actually be around the most gifted person in the entire planet that does those things? You see, you get to do that in helping people progress. You are actually a disciple of the Lord himself. He is your teacher, and then we get to help other people. So you're being tutored by God in that sense. You're hanging out in an apprenticeship program with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And then you get to take those skills and those gifts and talents that God gives you and go use them in the world to help other people progress. It's awesome. That you're rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. He says, look, I'm, I'm looking forward. you have those people in your life that you're looking forward to seeing? You know, because they're just, God's used them in your life. And they disappear for a while and they come back. Kai and I have missionary friends all over the world. And, and when we see them, it's always awesome this time of year because the missions conference is going on. Many of them travel to Southern California and they're here. We get to see them. We get to hear all the stories of the things that God's doing. And some of those stories started 30 years ago. And you're listening and hear not only are, is God using them, but using their kids and their grandkids and their grandkids' kids. And it's just amazing. You see, you get to hear those things when people come to you. And then verse 27, and he wraps up this thought by saying, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Because of who you are, what you're doing, why you've been left here, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, that I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you, it's been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Having the same conflict with which you saw me, and now you hear in me. And so, very applicational, making the best of it. When you think of these things, you, you see our, our lives are our life and death choices very often. And so Paul has that presented really as a central argument to this, this remaining portion of the chapter. You, you see, all of the things that you do actually have some form of consequence And whether you see it or not, virtually everything that you do and everything that you say, every idle word that you ever will utter, God says one day he's actually going to judge those words. They all have the capacity to be used for the Lord or not. And so in that sense, everything has consequences in our life. And so he begins in verse 22. If I'm to go on living in this body, the NIV says, it'll mean fruitful labor for me. Paul wasn't saying, like so many Christians do, oh, man, I'm just going to persevere. You know, life is its just like this weighty burden. You know, I wake up every morning, I just kind of get by. He's saying, no, life is filled with challenges. I'm actually going to suffer for Christ, but it's a challenge to me to be used of the Lord for God's glory. I get an opportunity in that sense to do what unbelievers don't even understand. And so he has this inner dilemma within him. He's looking at these things. He's going, well, I don't know what choice I'd make because staying here is good. I have lots of things that God could do with my life. You have, listen to me, you have the gospel The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. And you can go share that with somebody. You get to share the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. Think about it. Is that awesome? That's an eternal thing. You know, collecting more stuff, not an eternal thing. Bigger barn, not an eternal thing. But you have a part in God's amazing plan. If you're a parent, you have children, you can raise those children in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Think about it. That's an eternal thing, it has eternal consequences. And as you're thinking on those things, then you all of a sudden, well, that's a pretty big deal. It's not like my life is boring. Two choices; they're equally compelling. That's why he was hard pressed. And, and I want you to notice that he uses absolute certainties. He speaks, you know, I know it's going to happen. I know where I'm going. I I, I know I'm going to stay here, and then I'm going to go. He's not. Well, I don't know if I. You know, maybe. He knew. Absolute, utter, total confidence that one day he'd stand in the presence. Uh, of the true and the living God. In that sense, you know what happens? It's all good. That's what happens. Think about it for a second. You have the eternal truths of God. You have the life that you live now. And and then you get to have the glories of heaven later. So it's all good. But there's a fundamental problem. It comes in two parts. You see, people get caught up on both sides, and they don't quite take both pieces together. In other words, they work so hard in an earthly sense that they lose sight that our ultimate home is heaven. So we're down here, we're struggling, we're working, we're doing all those things. And it is a struggle at times. It's difficult. We have problems. Things happen in our lives. That's true. But at the end of the day, I'm going home to heaven. It's better. You see, some people are so worried about earth that they miss heaven. And then other people have the opposite so opposite problem. They're so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good. They're so focused on heaven. Well, you know, I'm just, no, bro, you need to pay your rent. It's like God still wants you to pay your rent because you're shaming. When they find out you're a Christian and you're not paying your rent, that's a bummer on God. You, you need to take care of your stuff here. So that when you get to go to heaven, you've done everything you can to make sure that everyone knows where you're going. So you've got to have both pieces. You can't be so focused here that you miss there, and you can't be so focused there that you miss what you get to do here. It takes both. You see, you live with that one eye towards heaven and one eye on the earth. You're looking around to see what you can do in the here and now, and you're very much looking forward to the hereafter. That's the proper place for us to be is the body of Christ. That's why it's all good. I, I begin to look at these things and I go, wow, this is pretty awesome. And it means making the best of, of a difficult situation. And that situation for us is life, isn't it? That's, life can be hard at times. But I make the best of each situation. So when those opportunities come, if it's a a difficulty, then I make the best of the difficulty. If it's something good, then I make the best of that which is good in my life. It's that good work. And the reason that we do that is we want to progress. Our goal as the body of Christ, every moment that you're here on this earth, is to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every one of us should want to do that. Each person in here who names the name of Jesus should be attempting to get a little more like Jesus every moment of every day so that when you leave, you are more like Jesus than when you met him. You progress. And here's what happens when that happens. There's joy. It's like those old things that used to keep you in bondage no longer have you in bondage. Those things that used to be problematic and you you could hardly even stand, now you're thriving in that hostile environment of this world. There's victory for that kind of Christian. You start to walk around, like, hey, you know what? This, I, I got stuff going on here, but I know this. I'm getting better here, and I'm going to get really good when I go there. I'm convinced of this, Paul says. And he uses a word here that's so wonderful in verse 26. He uses the word joy. It's only used here in the entire New Testament. It's the only place it's found. And it actually means to exalt Jesus to lift him up, to to make it. In other words, it's like, look, I've got a Savior, and I know that Jesus loves me, and I want other people to know that Jesus loves me, and I have a Savior. And so my joy is supposed to be so contagious that other people go, what's wrong with you? Well, I'm in love with Jesus. That kind of joy. You see, when when you head to the doctor's office, and, and you get a diagnosis you don't want to hear, our tendency is, it's like, oh, God hates me. No, he doesn't hate you. It's an opportunity for him to prove to you how much he loves you. Crazy as that sounds. Because here is good, and there is better. So everything, Romans 8, 28 says What? All things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. All things. Amen? Amen. Not some things. All things. So when you think on it that way, it's not like, okay, how can this all thing that I'm going through right now be used to produce something in me that's really attractive to Jesus? People look at my life and they go, wow, whoever you know, I want to know him. Whatever's going on with you, I'd like that to be going on with me. That's to have that kind of joy. He boils it down to what we would call worthy conduct here in verses 27 and 28. Very easy, actually, for us to understand. And, and, and here, let me help you understand what he's really getting at. Now, if you go, and, and Pastor Kevin mentioned this, he, he was at the gym. Now, if you go to the gym, you get a gym membership card, right? And the gym membership card entitles you to go through the door and use all the machines. But if you sit outside the gym at a table eating ice cream and bacon sandwiches, you're you're not actually going to reduce your weight. You're not going to get more healthy. You're going to have clogged arteries and croak right there on the spot. You see, in order for you to have something, you have to use it for it to do you any good. Amen? Amen? such is your salvation. You need to use your salvation. You need to have worthy conduct so that it does in you what it's supposed to do. It's like going to the spiritual gym. You need to exercise your spiritual muscles. You need to make sure that what you're doing and how you do it is producing a great result in you. You, you see, we, there is a way for us to understand that. Just hanging out near the spiritual gym is not going to be worthy conduct. Just having a card. You see, you're saved by grace and through faith. And God even gave you the faith to believe. That's a gift to you. So you get the card. But now once you get the card, you're supposed to get buff for Jesus. Spiritually speaking, of course. You, you see, you want to work at it. You want to have conduct that says, hey, I've been to God's gym. I've been working out. I'm a little kinder. I'm a little more gentle. <laughs> my humility level actually went up a little bit. I have more peace in my life. I have joy. The Spirit's at work in my life in such a way that people can see you and they go, wow, you've been working out. Where have you been working out? God's gym. God's gym. You got to work out? Yep, yeah, Jesus. Do, do you have like a set list that you do of all your... Yep, it's called the Bible. You see it? And all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I read... Okay, I'm going to try that exercise now. I'm not going to speak harshly anymore. I'm going to stop using words that don't glorify the Lord. Do you get it? Worthy conduct. And all of a sudden people can tell... You know why? Because you start to look like Jesus. You know, people, you know, they'll pick up those magazines like Fitness, and you start to read them. That's like, that's the most depressing thing on earth. It's like, I, no matter what I do, I will never look like that. But the good news is, in the body of Christ, you can be like Jesus. You can start to have words that are like him and actions that are like him and strength that's like his strength and wisdom like he's wise. That worthy conduct. Colossians chapter 1, you can read it when you get home, but it gives us these wonderful little tidbits. It shows us kind of what that looks like. Verse 10 gives us three points. It says that we might please him in every way, that we might bear fruit to every good work and we might grow in the knowledge of God. And it goes on in verse 11. And again, read it when you get home. This conduct is described for us. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have that great endurance and patience. And it says, then joyfully giving God the Father glory. You you see, there's as we work out spiritually, that worthy conduct bears great fruit. And we live that holy life. And then all of a sudden people look and they go, ah whatever plan you're on, I want to be on that plan. Because I remember you before you met Jesus. You didn't talk like this. You didn't act like this. You were not the same kind of person. Praise God, we're no longer what we used to be, amen? Praise God. And when we believe God, and Paul believed God, we are also heirs to all the promises. So we we look at that finished product and we go, man. One day, Scripture says you're going to look just like him. You're going to be like him. When I'm finally in His glory, I'm going to actually have that same image, that same glory is going to be visible somehow in, in me. So it, it's it's a workout program. You know, there's a lot of those things you like watch on TV, and, and you can order those bottles of you know some kind of diet pill, and they tell you if you take two of them, you lose 40 pounds that night. It doesn't quite work out that way, right? But in this case, this is one of those deals that is not too good to be true. And if you follow the plan, one day you're going to be like Jesus. It's a promise. What does that look like? I'm going to show you just three things in our remaining time. I think we can do these pretty quickly. You see, when you think about these three things that are described here in verses 27,28, primarily, it look, you see the believers, all of them, standing together, standing firm in one spirit. We have a esprit de corps. We, we have a sense that we're all in this together and we're all working. It's like your workout partners and you went into the gym and you're all over there and you know, you know sometimes all you need is an encouraging word, right? If you've ever worked out and you're sitting there and you're on, you, you're like you're on your eighth repetition of some exercise. It's just like, I'm quitting right here. And then your friend comes alongside and says, no, you can do two more. Matter of fact, you can do 10 more. Oh, no way, I can't. Yes, you can. You can do it. Come on, go, 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 go. That's where you are as the body of Christ. There's one spirit that works in us to do and accomplish God's good pleasure. So you come alongside, and that same spirit that's at work in you is in work in me, and we work with each other so that we all get better. Amen? So we're standing firm in that one spirit. A second thing, we're striving side by side with one mind for the sake of the gospel. You see, what happens is, then what is my chief concern is your chief concern. You know what that does? That makes us a singular organism, a mighty army. We're actually working on the same thing. You have a project. One of the things that makes America great is our ability to do these amazing things that require immense amounts of human capital, in other words, brain power and talent, because we break them down into component parts, and we have engineers over here that some are electric and some are mechanical and some are structural and then we have other people who their whole gig is to put things together so it fits inside of some package we have these engineers that package stuff and then you have people who manufacture these things and we break it down but it takes everybody doing their part of the job for the product to be produced amen you you go to a, a manufacturing line that manufactures cars there's not one guy it's like he sits there for like a year making one car It's broken down into tiny component parts, and each person does their job. Not everyone else's, just theirs. The same is true in the body of Christ. And how beautiful that is. We become this wonderful thing where I need you, you need me, we need each other, and we accomplish something bigger than any of us could ever imagine by being part of each other's lives. We work side by side. A third thing. Don't get intimidated by the world or by the devil. You see, if you're alone in this, you're going to get intimidated because it's really tough to walk in this world in the spirit and serve the Lord. Because you're going to get picked on, counted, you know, as some kind of oddball, strange person. You're going to you're going to be reading. People are just going to absolutely have their way with you. But you don't need to be intimidated because we're in it together. We fight that fight, not only is it the Lord working in us and then out of us, but it's us working with each other so that we go and fight the fight together. Isn't it encouraging when some other Christian comes alongside, I've been through that, let me share with you what God did. And all of a sudden you're strengthened, I'm strengthened. You see people going through things that you couldn't even imagine, and they went through it, and all of a sudden you're, you're encouraged by the way the Lord has used them. And then finally, Paul ends this with something. You know, if we start a suffering club, we're not having a whole lot of guys show up. I can tell you that right now. Some of you ladies may, guys, You see, and yet it's such a privilege to be able to suffer. It is a privilege to go through things in this life because here's what happens. It's in that crucible of suffering that you learn lessons that you can't learn when you're in all kinds of wonderful things. You know, when life is good and nothing's going wrong and you're just, you know, bustling along, you you, you don't learn a whole lot of very deep things. You you go to Disneyland, you're not going to learn much, okay? You'll have a smile on your face, you're going to have fun. I'm not disrespecting Mickey, okay? But you're not going to grow a whole lot from going there. You go on a missions trip and you hang out at Smoky Mountain and you wash a few children who don't even have fresh water to take a bath you're going to learn some things you travel across the border to Mexico and you spend some time with some orphans who don't have parents because they were abandoned in the city dump you're going to learn some things you will learn some things through those tears and through that suffering that you cannot learn when everything's good you join the military. You know what you're going to do for the first 6, 8, 12 weeks? You're going to suffer. You're going to be hurting in places you didn't even know you had. But you're going to learn some things. Amen? You're going to learn some things about yourself. You're going to learn some things about other people. You're going to learn some things. It's a privilege to suffer. Because then, when that time comes and you're in the thick of battle you'll remember, I've already done this. You'll be able to encourage other people, I've already done this. I've been down that road. I know what it's, I know where it goes, and my God is faithful. Amen? Amen? It's our privilege. We have God's grace. We have his favor. And in that sense, we then strengthen other people's faith. We are an example to them so that when they're going through that crucible, when they're in the midst of it, we can come alongside and say, hey, let me walk with you. I've already been down this road. I know where it goes. It's such an encouragement and it's such a privilege. And frankly, family of God, a lot of of Christians have the wrong impression that they go through suffering and they have bad things happen because somehow they were displeasing to God. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Because it rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. And good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. Do not let the enemy lie to you that way. God simply wants to use both the good and the bad. He will allow things in your life inexplicable to you, to me. I won't be able to tell you why that happened. But I know what happens when I go to the doctor When I go to the doctor, have you ever noticed, I think they work really hard at making all medicines taste terrible. It's like, here, take this. I don't want to. Especially, isn't that weird cough syrup, which you're supposed to actually swallow. When you put it in your mouth, you're like, this is not going down my neck. And yet, it's the very thing that you need so that you'll get well. God knows what medicine you need. Because he knows what's going on in your life. He knows what needs to be fixed. So take the medicine. It may be something that you don't want. But I know this. It's going to make you ultimately better than you are today. Praise the Lord. You see, Paul's encouraging these Philippian believers. He said, look, I'd like to go, but it's better that I stay. And so the fact that I'm going to stay, let's make the best of it. Because God not only has my today, he absolutely has my tomorrow. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful uh, for the truths of your word. And Lord, as we think back on our own lives and our day, Lord, as we begin this new year, God, would we be dependent on you? Lord, would we have uh, that heavenly view but will we also take a look at the earth around us and see what we can do for your kingdom while we're still here? Would you cause us to grow in your knowledge and in your grace? Would you help us to evangelize, Lord, to be busy about our Father's business? To that end, we all have the gospel. We know what it is, and we can share it. Pray that you would strengthen us, Lord. Did you give us great joy? Pray that people would see our lives and As we respond to the trials, the things that you allow, and as you get us through those things, would we take that joy that you have done in our lives and would you use it to encourage others? We bless you. We praise you. We thank you. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.